Good evening. This is the weekly wrap for Friday, April 7th. Starting with the macro picture, the jobs number came in again quite strong this morning. Unemployment rate fell back down to 3.5%. The labor participation rate was up. So even though the number of jobs created wasn't as strong as last week, um, the uh, number of claims fell. And so this uh, strong employment picture continues to frustrate the Federal Reserve. They consider this sort of the last piece of the puzzle in their fight against inflation. And so the market uh, immediately priced back in the idea that we were going to raise rates by 25 basis points in their next meeting in May. Remember, they had all but taken that rate hike out uh, during the banking crisis. And so now with this strong jobs number, with the banking crisis seemingly handled, it looks like the Fed is going to raise rates one more time. It's really quite uh, perplexing uh, to uh, try to understand why the Federal Reserve is trying to raise the unemployment rate. They want people to lose their jobs. They want spending down. They want uh, their their goal here is to sacrifice people's livelihoods, uh, in their opinion, for the greater good of not allowing inflation to get entrenched. So it's a very frustrating situation, especially since uh, this is a problem largely created by their own um, problems uh, that they created during the excess stimulation during COVID, the excess uh, lowering of rates, the excess liquidity provided in the mortgage industry, uh, and then right behind that, the federal government overstimulating with uh, lots of money to individuals and corporations. So this issue of liquidity that created this inflation is all their fault. Uh, and now they're uh, playing God with the data again and and trying to uh, fill in this last piece of the puzzle because CPI is falling, um, uh, PCI is falling, and so inflation is clearly rolling over. It's just the jobs number that they consider uh, their last stand against inflation. Uh, the other thing that has happened here is uh, China has been coming in buying on a regular basis. The other macro factor we've been talking about, which is China reopening, they have been, uh, although slowly coming in, they're still buying U.S. corn. They've been buying some beans. So even though the basis in Brazil has collapsed since they have run out of places to put this record soybean crop, um, and, and so we've got record low basis levels that has got the soybean market very nervous, Um uh, but that China is still buying some U.S. beans to backstop their filling of their reserves. Um, OPEC uh, was the big surprise uh, this week with this 1.6 million barrel per day cut expected to start in early May. Uh, they have taken matters into their own hands. Uh, they need oil closer to $90 a barrel to support their big social network that they have in their country. They also believe... Uh, that the U.S. Uh, is manipulating the oil price with this heavy release of the SPR. They really felt like they would play ball with us as long as we agreed to fill that back up. We have changed our mind and changed the rules of the game, and we will not be filling up the SPR. So they took matters into their own hands and cut production. And so what is already a structurally very tight market uh, as demand continues to go up and as supply continues to fall, 
uh, now that uh, this ESG, the Environmental Social Governance, um, investing or lack of investing in fossil fuels that has gripped the investment community over the last four or five years. It's be, become politically um, a, a no-no to invest in oil and gas, not only privately, but publicly. A lot of public uh, funds and pensions have divested out of that. So there's been very little in the way of investing in, in new oil drilling and so these balance sheets on the supply side uh, are going to get very, very tight over the next year. And now that uh, Saudi Arabia saw a moment in time where they could slip in uh, and, and fight against what they considered financial repression of the crude oil price between the SPR releases, between the investment and between the commodity funds shorting crude oil, they've decided to take matters into their own hands. And this is very much a problem for the United States especially since we have drained 300 million barrels of crude oil out of our SPR, and we're sitting at very low levels of gasoline and diesel on hand. And so uh, many forecasters have come in behind this now and made calls of 100 to $120 crude oil by the end of the year. That has huge implications on our commodity markets. There is typically a very strong correlation between high oil prices and high commodity prices. I'll be putting out a video this weekend that shows that correlation. I'll also be talking about what the new balance sheets will look like for next year with these acreage estimates that the USDA printed earlier in the week. And so we're, we're going to have a lot of data to go through on the videos this weekend. Uh, the third uh, variable is, is now the, um, the issues related to weather. We have the United States weather models have flipped from a colder, wetter pattern to a now warmer, drier pattern that has got the market thinking that we are going to plant this crop at a record pace. So with a warm, dry second half April and into early May, this corn and soybean crop is going to get planted at a pretty furious pace. And so that would lead the market to believe early on that we're going to have record yields. We go through this dance every year. This is how we always start. And es estimates at the beginning of the year are always quite optimistic. Um, but believe the, the sentiment of the market is, is going to be negative over the next two or three weeks um, based on this planting progress, based, based on the weakness of the Brazilian basis levels. And now Argentina has... Uh, will be manipulating their currency, allowing farmers to sell a lot of soybeans, soybeans that the, the, they can ill afford to sell because they're already short. But their government is so desperate for U.S. dollars, they're running at 100% inflation, uh, that they need to do something to generate revenue. So they're playing tricks with their currency. And so this process will start here next week through early May. And it's supposed to lead to pretty heavy sales by farmers of soybeans into the market. Again, soybeans they just don't have. Their crush is already short 10 million metric tons. This will only exacerbate the problem. But when you're so financially strapped, you do things that are uneconomical. And that's what we're about to see. So these three variables between Brazil, Argentina, U.S. planting weather could apply pressure to corn and beans over the next two or three weeks. Corn and soybean sales on the exports. Corn was really quite strong. Cotton was very good. Beans were poor, as was wheat. And so those uh, theses continue to pull through. So we're clearly finding value on corn at these levels, finding value on cotton at these levels. 
Cotton had a, a very good week technically. That helped uh, get us through the 50-day and the 100-day moving average at eight in the at around 83 cents. So we closed above that, setting us up for a quick test of that 85, 86 cent area, which is the 200-day moving average. And we should find some resistance there. If you are not uh, 75 to 80, 75 to 80 percent sold, you might use this quick test of 85, 86 to sell a little bit more cotton, get closer to home. Remember, we're going to roll this last little bit of cotton to the July, uh, where we believe that the balance sheet's going to tighten significantly, where we believe weather will complicate um, you know, the idea of a record crop next year and ultimately get us to that 90, 95 cent area on the July contract. The spread narrowed to almost even money uh, on Thursday's trade. We didn't quite get there. Um, so this really depends on how you want to play your cash flow needs. Certainly, if we get to 85, 86 cents on the May uh, over the next couple of weeks, go ahead and sell a little bit more cotton, get caught up. But for the, if you don't need the money, be ready to roll to the July and play the longer term picture. Um, so we're with corn and soybeans, no changes in any of our targets there. Still looking for summer volatility. Still looking for a cash market uh, tightness to basically. You know, signals that we've gotten uh, not only in the cash market between the spreads and the basis levels, but now confirmed by the USDA that our balance sheets are much, much tighter than they predicted at the beginning of the year. We're essentially at, at some point going to run out of corn and run out of soybeans this summer in the United States. Uh, and any weather hiccup on top of that, and you're going to have explosive price action, especially if crude oil is on its way to $100 a barrel. So, uh, you know, those are our targets there. Wheat still looking for Kansas City wheat to get closer to $10. That spread between Kansas City has blown out to record wide uh, levels. Now almost $2 a bushel. And so that's a victim of what is near record short positions in the Chicago wheat contract. That spread is normally historically a dollar a bushel. So if we got to $10 Kansas City, we should be closer to 9 in Chicago. But at this point, it looks like uh, Kansas City is going to be closer to 10 and Chicago is going to be closer to $8. Not sure what to do with $8 Chicago wheat, uh, but I would be looking for crude oil to rally and, and the, uh, the Federal Reserve to flip on their rate hikes sometime in June and July to provide the double-barreled catalyst of, of a, a reinvestment back into commodities, back into the inflation story. And so I expect uh, maybe a soft here rest of April into early May, but I think the narrative flips very convincingly uh, June forward. So that's the uh, the update. Uh, look for the video emailed probably early Sunday morning. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the weekend. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS. Take care. <laughs>